Genesis chapter 3 and John chapter 14. Just put your finger on John 14. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Standing for the word. I want to preach today. I don't know what it's about. What about the beginning of the year has got me fixed on talking about being in the right place. But uh, I've been talking about Thomas and the disciples out of John 20, 20 about being in the right place. And I'm still in this thing on place. How many know that 2020 is a year of alignment? We talked about this. And part of alignment is being in the right place. And so we're going to talk about that again uh, this morning. In fact, I want to preach a sermon today called, I Lost My Place. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, sometimes I lose my place. How many have ever been reading a good book and lost your place? How many have ever lost your place in line, shopping or something? How many have ever been on your phone and people drive around you and you lose your place in the fast food restaurant line? That's happened to me last week. Sometimes we lose our place. But I really believe today God wants us to be aligned in 2020 and make sure we're in the right place. How many want your family to be in the right place? How many want your kids to be in the right place? I want us to be in the right place. I'm going to talk about this. We'll see where we keep going. But this is where I'm at today. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. When you got it, say amen. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard, look at verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. They heard the sound walking. God was coming through the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? I want to preach for a few moments today on this thought. I lost my place. Father, help me today to teach and to preach. I pray for the anointing and grace to shepherd, to lead, to pastor. May a spirit of wisdom and revelation come upon us today so that the Word of God comes alive inside every one of us. We pray now in Jesus' name that the power of the Lord would rest upon this congregation and everything you have decided and desired to do in us, originally intended for our lives. Even if it's lost, help us recover it, Father. And everything that we felt like we squandered, let us recapture it today. May a spirit of grace be upon us for everything lost to be restored. Everything lost to be restored. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, um, the beginning of the year, we've talked about priorities. And um, we've talked about taking inventory of our hearts and what's going on in our hearts, making sure we're connected to the right people. How many know connection, connection to the right people is significant and very important for us in this new year? In fact, I just want to declare over you that those of you who got the wrong people in your life, the drama of relationship drama is like no other drama you can ever deal with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And I just want to declare over you in 2020 that the relationship drama is coming to an end. So, some of you can't handle any more relationship drama. If there are leeches, let them go. And if you keep finding yourself after you encounter the same people over and over again and they suck the life out of you, you need to have a conversation with yourself and tell yourself, I can love them, I can honor them, I can respect them, I can, I can treat them kindly, but I don't have to let them in and rob me of the life Jesus wants to give me. So we talked about connections with people. We talked about our, our priorities, making sure as we take inventory of our heart that our priorities are in the right place. Because if God's going to bless us with a new year, we can't bring the same pattern in that we've imposed on previous years. The only reason 2020 will be different, it has nothing to do with the numbers. Oh, 2020, double-double, praise God, I received that. But if I've got the same old tricks and the same old routines and the same old prayerlessness and the same old nasty attitude in 2020 that I had in 2019, I can assure you just because we rode into double-double doesn't mean you're going to have double joy, double blessing if you got the same old attitude. I'm not getting no help, but I feel like I'm talking about real things today. You, you and I have to have right priorities, making sure that if we want a new year and a new kind of life in this year, we can have it, but we got to make adjustments. So you got people, you got priorities, and then we got these things called places. And I've been talking about places for the last couple of weeks, being in the right place, because how many would agree God wants us in the right place? Often we think of being in the right place as a physical location. And it certainly is important that we are physically where, where God wants us to be. How many know it's important you have the right job, be in the right city, be in the right school, be in the right place in life? There is something significant about being in the right physical place. But as we will see in this text today, God is far more interested in us being in the right spiritual place. In fact, I believe if you and I are in the right spiritual place, it will help us find ourselves in the right physical location. God is far more interested in, in us being in a good spiritual place than just being in the right physical place. Some of us will find, find the right physical location if we get our spiritual place in order. We want to be in the right spiritual place, we want to be in the right physical place, and we actually place more emphasis on that sometimes than we do our walk with God. How many, have ever, how many have ever known somebody or talked to somebody and, and you could tell, we say things like this when we encounter folk who are struggling, we say they're not in a good spiritual place. Because you can, you can discern when someone's in a bad spiritual place. There's, not, there's no joy, there, there, there's this lack of peace, there's this, 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 uh, this idea of turbulence just surrounding their life. How many have ever been in that kind of place before? Personally, I have. I've been in a bad spiritual place where, where I don't feel victory, I don't feel like I'm an overcomer, I don't feel like I'm going to make it, I don't feel like I'm going through. And how many have ever met somebody that's in a good spiritual place? You know, it seems like they're on top of the world, like everything they touch is just blessed. The doors are opening, things are happening, God is blessing. I mean, they just have opportunity after opportunity. I, I, I really believe with all of my heart, God intends for all of us to live in a good spiritual place. And if we will get in the right spiritual place with God, I believe it will impact and influence where we are physically. If we get in the right spiritual place, it will actually positively influence where we are physically. God can align you more clearly when you're walking in the right spiritual place. If you're in the right spiritual place, it's not hard for you to pick your family up and move to Chattanooga, which is what so many people in this room have done. There are people sitting all over this church who've come from different cities, different states. I don't even, I didn't even know it was happening, but people just, just pick up their family, move to Chattanooga, get a job, and become part of this family. And you say, that's crazy. It's only crazy if you're not in the right spiritual place. But if you're in the right spiritual place, you can understand that a job and a location of living can really be experienced in its fullness if I'm in the right spiritual place. I've known people who were in a good spiritual place and moved to take less money and be, be in a place of more joy than folk who were out of spiritual placement, living in a place with a bunch of money coming in and everybody in the house miserable. 
I, I, I'm glad for increase, but if all you get is increase and don't have the priority of his presence, how many know that the physical place will never cause you to be able to escape the misery of being out of place spiritually? How many want to be in the right spiritual place in 2020? And that is what is going on here in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. If we want to know what a good spiritual place looks like, Look no further than Genesis 1 and 2. God's creating things. He's preparing things. Oh, I wish I had time to go into it. God actually prepared the earth for man's arrival. Isn't it amazing that before Adam came, God put light in the sky, birds in the air, grass on, come on, he put the green in the grass on the ground, fish in the water, animals roaming the earth, herbs and trees and everything man would ever need so that when he created man, man didn't have to create the blessing. He simply had to steward what was already put there by God. The point is this, you don't have to walk around your whole life trying to be a producer. You walk around your whole life being a steward of what God has already produced. Some of us are trying to manufacture the blessing when instead we should be stewarding the blessing that God put in place and he set you up. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you've been set up in 2020. Some of them can't accept that, but I want to tell you today, you have been set up in 2020. Blessings you are going to encounter in 2020 have already been put in place for you. Jobs that you're going to get in 2020 have already been put in motion for you. Houses you didn't build, land you didn't buy, vineyards you didn't plant, stuff you didn't deserve. Can I just declare over you prophetically that God is up to something even right now while you're Sitting up at, oh, let me, let me rewind and tell you this. While you were sleeping last night, God stayed up all night long sewing together a quilt of blessing. And you think you're just going to walk into it in 2020 and somebody might say, oh, how lucky. Oh, the devil is a liar. This had nothing to do with luck. This had to do with a God who loves me so much that he prepared a table before me. He's been setting this table all of 2019 oh I feel like blessing somebody in here and telling you he's getting some stuff ready for you so that when you show up at the right place every blessing you need to become everything you've ever been called to be is already going to be there touch somebody tell them God's up to something for you Genesis 1 and two is a picture of what it's supposed to look like. God set it up for Adam so that when Adam showed up, everything was in place for Adam to be everything God called him to be. It wasn't just the stuff that was in place. God actually put this thing called intimacy in place so that when Adam showed up, it wasn't just about stewarding a garden and dealing with animals and naming the plants. And No, it was about walking with God. And I recognize I have to rob from my text ahead of time to bring light as to what was going on in Adam's relationship with God. But if you'll let me reach over into Genesis 3, verse number 8, I'll take from that 8th verse of the 3rd chapter the, the revelation that Adam and God had a divine appointment every day, I believe. It was called the cool of the day. Everybody say the cool of the day. The cool of the day. And if you're taking notes or underlining it in your Bible, you should circle the word cool of the day. Because this word, cool of the day, is the word ruach. It was the time of day when the spirit came and, and, and the spirit breathed and Adam had this relationship with God where the wind would blow and Adam had this intimacy going on with God and they just talked in the breeze of the day. God, I feel like preaching today. Ah, can we just get back to where it's not about all the mechanics and it's not about all of the production and it's not about all of the do's and the don'ts and this, 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 this and the list, 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 list and can we get back to waking up in the morning and saying, God, thank you that today I get to look on your face. I get to hear your voice. I get to experience intimacy. Oh, if Sunday is the only time you praise him, you don't know what you're missing out on. If Sunday is the only time tears roll down your face, you don't know what you're missing out on. This God we serve can be an encounter on my 
Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday in the midnight hour. He is, oh, I feel him in here. He's a God that has this thing called intimacy for me and you. I don't serve a cardboard God who can be propped up on a stage, who has ears but cannot hear and eyes but cannot see and hands but cannot touch. I serve a God who sits on the circle of the earth. His eyes go to and fro. He hears the cry of the weak. He attends the cry of the hurting. He's the one that woke us up this morning. He started me on my way. I was built for a relationship with God. You were built to talk to him. That's why if the only time you hear his voice is on Sunday during worship, the week feels like a mess because you were intended to encounter him on more than one day a week. This is a lifestyle of intimacy. And God built this thing with Adam so that he would walk with him in the cool of day and hear his voice. The voice, the voice. When's the last time you heard his voice? No, 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 don't, don't get squirmy, don't leave, don't get condemned. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel like you're missing something. Because the greatest joy that a child of God could ever have is the ability to hear the voice of the Father speaking. And, and Adam has this place. In fact, if you look at the last verse of the second chapter of Genesis, the last verse of the second chapter of Genesis says this, and Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. Don't get nervous. We're not weird here. It's just what the Bible teaches. This was before sin, and before sin came, there was a sense, don't miss this, there was a place of shamelessness. There's a place of, this was a place. When God created Adam a place in his presence and for his glory, God made that place for Adam a place of shamelessness. No shame. Nothing to hide. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be condemned about. Nothing, nothing from my past that can reach up and grab me and pull me back into a season of depression. None of that. There was no shame. And this is profound because the Bible said they were naked and not ashamed. The most ashamed I could ever imagine being. <laughs> Y'all get nervous. Is <laughs> to be in front of a bunch of people with no clothes on. Now, some of y'all getting real uncomfortable right now. But the reason why I make that point is because even with clothes on, there's so much sin on some of us that we can't even come to church with a smile on our face because shame has crept into our life. And most of the shame we deal with is because of the mistakes, the sins, the failures of the past. And the enemy is always trying to put a cloak of shame on us, causing us to work hard to hide who we used to be. And when you are afraid that you can't hide the mistakes of your past, shame is written all over your face. We find ourselves sometimes in this place of shame, but the place God originally intended for Adam to live was not in a place of shame. In fact, it was a place of confidence. It was a place of dominion. Everybody say dominion. Adam had a place of shamelessness. Adam had a place of confidence. Adam had a place in God of dominion. Dominion is the exercising of the authority you gained through intimacy. You say, I'm going to have dominion, not if you're not intimate with God. God doesn't share authority with anybody that doesn't have his heart. <sighs> because I, I could show you time after time in the Old Testament of kings who rose over the people who did not have the heart of God. When you do not have the heart of God and you try to claim the authority of God, you will beat the people of God to death. And you will, uh, have you ever seen this in churches? where pastors want authority but don't know how to love the people. 
y'all not helping nobody in this room right now. Have you ever seen people in the kingdom who have a title of authority and they exercise their authority but don't demonstrate the heart of God? This is why David was the greatest king of Israel. Not because he had the authority and the scepter to rule, but because he was a man after God's own heart. It doesn't just mean he was chasing the heart of God. It meant he wanted to operate and function with the heart of God. You can't have authority over people until you have first come up under subjection and surrendered to the heart of the Father and you don't get the heart of the Father at a distance. You gotta be like John the Revelator who got close enough to Jesus to lay his head on the breast of the Lord and hear the heartbeat of God. If we're going to have authority to lead people we must first have the heart of God to love people it is illegal to demonstrate authority that you did not get through intimacy this is the why we should pray for our rulers and leaders in the earth not that they just have authority because there is authority, there is authority given intrinsically in many of the roles, in many of the, uh, uh, of the leadership roles that, that are available on the earth. They're going to be leaders and they're going to have authority simply by their title. We should pray for them to know God so that they use the leadership authority God has put in that seat to rule properly over the people. Okay, keep going. Adam had a place of shamelessness, a place of dominion, and a place of intimacy. That's the place God intended for you and I to be. A place of intimacy. Hearing the voice of God, just spending time with God. Can I tell you something? The greatest times for me in prayer are not times when I get sermons. If the only time we read the Bible is to get a sermon or a Bible study to teach somebody else, we are languishing on the inside. This is the reason why we have, we have so, we, we can hear, isn't it amazing? You can hear a good sermon, but nobody be changed. Because if you sought the sermon, but didn't seek the spirit. See, what changes me is what will change you. If it doesn't feed me, it probably ain't going to feed you. And so many times we want to feed people, but we got starving shepherds. And I don't even know why I'm preaching about shepherds so much because I don't have this in my notes. But there's some pastors in here or maybe you're watching me on live stream this morning or later. I don't know. I want to tell you right now, shepherd, if you're going to have a strong flock, you've got to feed yourself. And if you will feed yourself, the spirit will feed them every time you open your mouth. Say amen, family. The Spirit of God blew like a breeze in the garden, and Adam and God had intimacy. And you know the story. I'm not going to rehearse this. I've taught it many times. Eve, it, it, so watch this. The last verse of the second chapter of Genesis says, there was no shame among them. Next verse, now there was a serpent. <laughs> there was no shame. How many know that's a good place to be? Now there was a serpent. And the serpent started talking. How many know you've got issues when the serpent starts talking? I don't know what it sounded like, but I know this. The voice of the serpent competed for the place in Adam where the voice of God had previously been heard. You and I have to be very careful that the ears that we have given to hear the voice of the spirit are not surrendered to the voice of the serpent. Because your identity, and remember what happens in Matthew chapter 4. I know I feel like I'm all over the place, but let me just flow with this a minute. Identity is given in your ability to hear the voice of God. This is my beloved son in whom there is, in whom I am well pleased, right? Jesus gets his identity from hearing the voice of who? The Father. But the very next verse after he comes up out of the water in the baptism, he hears the voice of God. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the very next verse says, and he went into the wilderness led by the spirit. And Satan says, if you are the son of God. Satan is always challenging the identity and the place that God has put you in and given to you. I want you to be in a good spiritual place. God wants you to be in a good spiritual place. But there is an adversary who has made it his intent to rob you and to take you out of the good place and move you from a place of intimacy, of dominion, a place of shamelessness, and he wants to do whatever he can 
to move you from that place into a place of deception and destruction. And you know the story. They're in a place of shamelessness. Next verse. Now the serpent. Now the serpent. And he beguiles the woman. She takes the fruit. We often blame it on Eve, but how many know Adam should have been there to intercept what was going on between the snake and the woman anyway? Where is the man? <laughs> Are you bashing men? I'm not bashing anybody. I'm, telling, I'm here to tell you today we all shared in responsibility of the fall. Jesus is the one that came to lift us up. Amen? So she shares this with Adam, they fall, and they, their eyes are opened, and they know that they're naked. And so they go, and they find leaves, and they sew them together, and they cover. This is a picture of religion. Shameful man trying to sew leaves together to cover his failure. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about all of the different leaves we sew together to hide our shame. It's amazing, though, what we will argue over. All of it is about trying to cover shame. And we castigate and we, and we, and we remove ourselves from people who believe a little different than us. And we criticize them because of their leaves and we got our own leaves we're hiding behind. The reality of it is all that religious garbage fails in hiding and covering the sin we have committed. At the end of the day, I don't give one rip about your creed, and I'm thankful for it all, and I'm thankful for, for, the, for, for, for identification and clarification regarding where we stand biblically and theologically. But at the end of the day, I don't care where you come from and what denomination you like. At the end of the day, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cover and erase sin. Say amen, church. Well, I'm, I know forgetting the 90-day revival up in the baptism. A man got in the pool and said, baptize me in the name of Jesus. I said, I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. He said, nope, I'm oneness. I said, Jack, this is our baptism pool. We're going to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And if you want somebody else to baptize you, take yourself right out of this baptism pool and find somebody else. You say, Pastor, why do you say that? Because I'm not going to argue with you over theological semantics when at the end of the day, the only reason you got in the pool is because when you and me were a wretch and stuck in sin, Jesus is the one that came to rescue us and bring us out. Let's stop arguing. Well, what camp are you a part of? Are you a part of the faith camp? I'm certainly not a part of the doubt camp. Are you a part of the Jesus camp? I'm certainly not a part of Muhammad's camp. There is one camp I'm going to plant my flag in. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, crucified, buried, risen, coming again. That's my camp. Glory to the living God. Somebody give him praise. Well, there we go. I got to get there. The Bible says Adam lost that place. God came into the garden at the time of day when the breeze started blowing and the voice of God could be heard. And Adam could not be found in that place. God was talking just like he always had. But man was not, not there to hear his voice. The talking God who has something to say, he's just looking for someone to hear him. And he can't find anybody in the garden who wants to hear his voice. Adam, where? are you. Can I suggest to you Adam didn't get asked that question by God because God couldn't find him. It's not like God lost Adam. Now Adam, what would I do with you? Sometimes Devin is downstairs and the kids are upstairs and we say a couple of times, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and nobody responds. And she gets a little louder. Y'all don't get louder. We get louder. Je Isaiah, nothing. 
Isaiah, where are you? Oh, mom, I got my headphones on. Well, come down here. It's not like we lost him. We're trying to, to get his attention because we're trying to go out the door. It's time to leave. But he's about to miss his appointment and doesn't know he's about to miss his appointment. So we're trying to say, where are you at? Not so we can find him, but so that we can get him to see you're about to miss this thing. When God said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because God lost Adam or didn't know where Adam was. He was trying to get Adam to see you are not in the place you were in Genesis 2. You were here, Adam. We walked together in a shameless place. We walked together in a place of dominion. We walked together in a place of intimacy. But now you have taken what was forbidden and the serpent has shamed you. And instead of being in that place, you're not in that place anymore. You lost your place. And I'm wrapping up, but somebody in this room today has lost their place. 2020 is going to be the same kind of year if you're not careful. If you don't take an intentional matter about making an intentional matter, 2020 can be the same kind of year every other year has been in your life. A year of misery because you know there is a place available, there is a place set for you, but you're, you're just not willing to do what you got to do to get back to that place. How many want to know today how to get back to that place? And how many can help me praise God today before we leave? How many can help me praise God today that some people are going to get back to a good place in God? You say, Pastor, I've been in this messed up place for a long time. Yeah, but you made a good decision. You put your drawers on and came to church this morning. And before you leave this house, I want to tell you, God is about to give you a quick download. If you hear his voice, I don't care how long you've wandered out of place. Somebody's about to find their place and get back in place. And the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. If you believe it, give God a praise all over the church. I said, give God a praise all over the church. We need to praise God today that some people who are out of place are getting ready to get their place back in Jesus Christ. All right. So let me give this to you and I'm going to be done. If, if you want me to give you this, you're going to have to be willing to look at a text that you are traditionally used to hearing at a funeral. See, I killed the whole thing. How do I do this? I killed the whole thing, but it's true. John 14, open your Bible. John 14, open your Bible. <sighs> okay. How many got John 14? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? You lost your place. You're not where you were. Isn't it amazing that humanity has a way of losing its place in God? I don't know about y'all, but how many can mess it up pretty quick? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, oh, give me till June. By June, I'll have something messed up. But how many are like, oh, last week, second week of the year, I'm already struggling with my place. It's true. Humanity has a way of losing its place rather quickly. It's not just Adam. John 14 is about to show us how easy it was for a man named Peter. Look at this. Look at this. Now, we often read John 14 verses 1 through 3 at funerals. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And we're all crying at the funeral. Woo! Praise God for heaven. How many heard it like that before? I preached it like that. And I certainly believe that the scripture, this particular text, is broad enough to encourage and comfort those who are afflicted in a time of loss. So first of all, let me help you understand, I'm not bashing anybody who has imported that understanding from this text, but I want to go back and look at the original intent of the text. Now, John chapter 14, verse 1. I just quoted it for you, but let me read it to you so you can check. Can you put that? Thank you. Let not your heart be troubled. How many ever heard this at a funeral? 
Don't lie. You'll go to hell for lying. Come on. Have you ever heard that at a funeral? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Okay, we heard it at a funeral. Why? Because we believe this text is teaching us God or Jesus went away to prepare heaven for us. And I certainly believe he did that. Amen. How many believe he did that? But in order to understand the context of this scripture, you have to read the verses previous. Because when Jesus spoke this and John wrote this, this was not in chapter and verse form. It was a letter. We put chapters and verses to it later to help us divide and to study and to, and to analyze the text and to, and to organize the text. But, but can you go back? Is it possible to go back to the last two verses of John 13? Everybody say John 13. All right, let me set this up. I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to be done. John 13. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Next verse. Jesus answered him and said, you will lay down your life for my sake. Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, wait a minute. Jesus just prophesied Peter's failure. Jesus just looked at Peter. Peter said, I'm going to go with you all the way to the end. I'm going to keep my place. Jesus says, three times before the rooster starts making a noise, you'll deny me. Why is this significant? Because he also looked at the same man and said, Peter, Satan desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants to shake you so violently that he disconnects you from faith in Christ. He wants to put you through the ringer. He wants to challenge your faith to the extent that he disconnects you from your faith in Jesus. And when when Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're going to deny me three times, he's literally telling Peter, you are going to jeopardize your place. You are going, Peter, come on, Matthew 16, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. How many know Peter had a place in Christ? I mean, he gets this stuff nobody else gets. He gets the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I will say unto you, Peter, Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the revelation you've given. Peter had a place in Christ. But John chapter 14, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're going to deny me three times. The next verse, John 14, 1. Look at the next verse. Read this in context. But let not your heart be troubled. Peter, you got a place in me. Peter, I got a purpose for you. Peter, we're going to live in a good spiritual place. I'm going to take care of you. But Peter, you're going to fail me. You're going to deny me three times. When he said that, Peter's heart, like yours and mine, was overcome with fear. Why? Who wants to hear, I'm going to deny the Lord three times? Who wants to hear, you're going to have failure? Who wants to hear, you're going to make a mess of it? Who wants to hear, you're going to file bankruptcy and lose your stuff and your family's going to fall apart and you're going to lose everything? Who wants to hear that? Nobody. And when those words come into Peter's hearing, like you and me, it calls fear. Like Adam and Eve, it causes fear. And we live our life thinking, I lost my place. I'm going going to ruin my place in God. But the answer for anybody who has lost their place is released out of the mouth of Jesus in the next few verses right here in John chapter 14. He he establishes the fact, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but don't let your heart be overcome with fear. Believe in God, believe also in me. Watch this, watch this. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, what? I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. Oh, Jesus. You lost your place. You're going to lose your place. It's going to feel like you don't have a place. And because of sin, the devil's going to take your place. But I'm getting ready to go somewhere, Peter. I'm getting ready to go up a hill called Calvary, Peter. I'm going to carry a cross for you, Peter. I'm going to suffer for you, Peter. I'm going to bleed for your sin, Peter. Watch this. Don't miss it. And I'm going to create a house that's called my father. 
father's house. It's going to be a place for the family to come back home. And I'm going to put a room in that house for you. And even though you're going to make a mess, if you'll just come back home, i got a place in the house. God help me today. That has got your name on it, Peter. I feel like I'm about to help somebody in here right now. Do you know what the word, there are two words here. I got to teach this in the, the Greek. is so powerful. Two places in John 14. It's the only two places in the entire Bible the Greek word is used. Mone, M-O-N-E. Write it down if you're taking notes. Where did my iPad go? Did I bring it down? It's uh, John chapter 14, verse 2, and John chapter 14, verse 23. Pretty sure. Yes. Four, 14, verse 2. And 1423, I know this is a little bit of a break, but you got to catch this. Ever say, everyone say Monet, not money, say Monet. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it when I mess with you. Okay, watch. I go to prepare a place in my father's house. There it is, are many mansions. Everyone say mansions. Okay, so we've talked about I got a mansion just over the hilltop. But the word mansion in the Greek is the word monet. It literally means an available abiding place. So it's like this. Whenever I go stay somewhere and I need a hotel, Chris calls ahead of time, most of the time the Marriott, and he says, we need one room. And Marriott says, I have a monet for you. I have an available room that if you will put your name on the reservation, it's available. I don't know if you're going to get to that place, but it is available. It's a place that is available. You just have to make up your mind if you're going to make a reservation for it. When Jesus said, I go to prepare in my Father's house are many mansions, don't miss it. He said, in my Father's house are many available abiding places. In other words, there's no shortage of room in the hotel. If you'll just make your reservation, God went away to provide an available place for you to abide. But some of you don't understand. In order to stay in the place, you got to say, that's my place. And when you say, it's my place, it moves from Monet, don't miss this, to Topos. What is Topos? Greek. T-O-P-O-S. It's the other word used for place. In my father's house are many available rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare your topos. He is reinforcing what he just said. I went to build a house called the Father's House and I made many available rooms and one of those rooms is your topos. It's your place. Catch it somebody. But the only way you're going to get to live in it is for you to say I'm tired of staying in this place and I'm getting ready to move to my place. Which is why Paul said in Ephesians 5, give no place to the devil. In other words, some of you got to say, you know what? The devil stole my reservation in the Father's house for the last time. I'm not living in 2020 outside of my place. I know I'm hollering, but I feel this from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Somebody is getting ready to put their name on a reservation and thank God that the place he created for you in his kingdom is still waiting on you to occupy it. It's available. It's available. But you've got to make a reservation for it. And you know how Peter did that? Because he denied the Lord just like Jesus said three times. And it looked like Peter was going to be a has-been and a nobody. But Jesus showed up on the side of a lake one day and said to the fishermen, they went back fishing. Jesus is now resurrected. Peter left his discipleship role and went back to a fisherman. He's in the water fishing, and Jesus is on the land, and he said, hey, y'all, catch anything? Nope. Cast it on the other side. They cast it on the other side and hauled in 153 fish. And when the net almost break, broke, Peter said, that is the Lord. 
<laughs> you say, oh, what's the point? The point is this. He didn't get a revelation of Jesus in condemnation or judgment. He got a revelation of God in his goodness because it is the goodness of the Lord that leads a man to turn around. I can't find no help in here today. You say, I'm praying for judgment to come on my lost family, not me. I'm praying for goodness on my lost family because it's when they see, when they see the goodness of the Lord, they're going to say, look what the Lord has done. It is the Lord. Somebody slap your neighbor. Tell him it is the Lord. God's not just going to judge your lost family. God's going to bless them. And when he blesses them and they see his goodness, they're going to turn back and say, he ain't through with me yet. Am I making sense? Peter came back to the shore. Jesus sat down with them three times. Brian, I'm through. He sits down by Jesus at the fire. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love me. What's the point? The restoration of Peter was as deep as Peter's sin. Peter denied the Lord three times. Jesus asked him the same question three times. Because anytime you fall, the grace of God is greater than the sin. And the restoration of Jesus is as deep as the failure itself. Some of you need to hear me today. You lost your place. You lost your place. I don't know what distracted you. I don't know what got you off course. I don't know what pulled you away from the voice of God, but you lost your place. Stand with me. And today, in the month of January or the first part of the year, you find yourself saying, I just want to get back to that place. That place where I heard his voice. That place where I could drive down the road and feel his presence. And place of purpose, place of joy. I know this message ain't for everybody, but it's for a lot of us. I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you something. Your room and your place still has your name on it. How about that? So God ain't through with you yet. Somebody asked me one time, what's the difference between Judas and Peter? Was Judah's sin any more heinous than Peter's sin? No. There's only one difference between Judas and Peter, in my opinion. Judas took his life before he found out Jesus still had a place for him. Some of you have been wondering, why am I still here? I feel the Lord. You're still here because God still has a place for you. I know the plans I have for you. And I know just what you're going through. And when you can't see what tomorrow holds, and yesterday is through, God says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. God says, I know just what you're going When you can't see what tomorrow holds And yesterday is through God says I know The plans I have for you 
He has hope for tomorrow, joy for your sorrow, strength for everything you go through. Somebody needs to know there's hope for tomorrow, joy for your sorrow, strength for everything you go through. God says there's hope for tomorrow, joy for your sorrow, strength for everything you go through. God says I know the plans I have for you. If you're in this room today and I'm talking to you, I'm talking to people who are in church, you love God, but you just need to get back in a good place. Jesus went to Calvary to prepare a place for you. He rose from the dead to prepare a place for you. I do believe he's coming back one day to take us to heaven, but I don't believe we got to go through hell living out of place while we're on our way. Religion's got some of you believing you'll never have a place again, but the devil is a liar. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor, you're preaching to me. I need to make a reservation for my room. I need to get back in my place. Oh, yes, thank you, Lord. I wrote these notes down while your head is bowed and eyes are closed. I wrote these in my notes. I said, there's nothing Adam lost in the garden Jesus didn't reclaim at Calvary. There's nothing Adam did in the garden that Jesus did not undo at Calvary. If the original intent was for us to live in shameless intimacy and a place of dominion, if that was the original intent before sin came in Genesis 2, then I declare everything Jesus died to do was to repair that original intent that God had for him and his people. You're in this room and you'll say, today, Pastor, you're talking to me, and in January of 2020, I need to get back in the right place. And I want you to pray with me today. If I'm talking to you, lift your hand right now. Yep. If your hand is up or it should be, I want you to get out of your seat and come to the altar right now. No shame. None. No shame. No. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Who cares? This is the year. Come on, sweetheart. This is the year where it comes together. I'm getting back in the right place. They're coming from everywhere. I want you just to come right now. I'm not going to leave like I came. And I'm not living another year in my life out of place. Come on. Some of you can't find the right job, can't find the right house, can't find the right city. It, all that's going to get lined up when you get in the right place. Come on out of your seat right now. There's some people right now, I don't want to live in this place anymore. I don't want to live in this place. God bless you for coming, family. God bless you for coming. All the way up front. All the way across the front. Somebody lift up thanks and praise to God all over this room right now. Come on, let's just bless him for a moment. Let's just pray. Don't, don't just clap. I want us to lift up praise. Lift up worship to the God who will help us get back on track and recover and be strengthened. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. He built the place. He created the available spot for you in the kingdom. Elders, come help me. Pastors, come help me. I want you to stretch your hands toward this altar. I want you to pray for these brothers and sisters like you wish somebody would pray for you the day you came to an altar call like this and just needed a moment to get your heart right. I'm, a, I'm authorized to tell you right now, I don't care how long you've been running from him. Today's a, a day to say I'm getting back in the right place. Priorities are shifting and my eyes are getting refocused. The spiritual heart's getting refocused on the things of God. If you're in this room and you want God to align your life in the physical with the spiritual grace that he's wanting to pour out. And I just really felt like as they pray here that I'm supposed to pray over some people in this room today who would say, Pastor Kevin, I need some things in my physical location to line up with my spiritual location. If that's you and you're out there, would you lift your hand? I just need God to get in my, 
my business and just align some things. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. If there's somebody near you with their hand up right now, would you gently just lay your hand on their shoulder? Can we pray one for another all over this room? They're praying in the altar, and I'm praying for you right there, and your neighbor's going to pray with you. God, I just thank you in this year, this new year, this new beginning, this 2020, January of 2020, this year of alignment, this year of vision that you are bringing. Somebody's, somebody's receiving this now. You're bringing your people into a place of alignment. And I declare over their lives right now, Father God, that you are going to see to it that their feet are in the right place, that their steps are ordered. In fact, God, in the next 14 days, in this month of January, I just, I just call into their life alignment, shuffling, reordering, do what you got to do to get them in the right place. Every one of them that lifted their hands, God, they know that something needs alignment. I pray, God, your spirit would just come and put your finger on that thing and just begin to deal with it and work with it today, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's not too late for them to get in the right place. They're not going to waste their life. In fact, their life is not wasted. Everything they experienced, everything that they endured, everything that they survived, if they learned anything in that season, it is not a waste. And I declare over them right now that the torment of the enemy's voice telling them that they'll never get back to that place, that lie is broken now. Jesus, if you will restore Peter, you will restore every one of us who want to be in the right place. Lift your hands and thank him all over this room right now. The Lord is just bringing a grace of alignment and a grace of blessing. I feel like there's a family in this room this morning, and I don't mean just a husband and a wife, but I really believe I'm, I'm seeing like kids and grandkids and everybody connected has been through a real season of, it's like hell on earth. And you're out of place. And your entire family needs to be restored. It's like a unit. It's like, I, I, I know what I'm saying. God, I pray for that family today that they'll not give up and quit. Spirit of the living God, I pray in Jesus' name you'll restore that whole family. What the enemy intended for evil, bring a great victory from it, God, Jesus. In fact, this person almost left a few minutes ago. This family almost left. You're still here. I was about to close shop and pray and send you home. Maybe you're not going to move. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to give this family, whoever it is, an opportunity to come to this altar right now. I just want to cover you in prayer and bless you today before you leave. If you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor Kevin, I need to get back to my place. There, there's a humbling that's coming. It's already happened. You're just going to humble your heart. And I'm telling you, God's going to restore this family. I see God bringing chains off of this family and bringing a healing. They're here. I don't even know where they are. I don't even know who I'm talking about. But God's going to restore somebody this morning, a whole family unit, a whole family. trying to release you. If you got to go, I understand. But if you're that family and you want prayer, before I benedict this message and this time together today, if I'm talking to you and your family needs restoration and you stayed, I want to pray for you. Get out of your seat. Come stand with me right now. No shame. None. This restoration is going to happen. I want to pray for the Lord to put some stuff back together. I want to pray for the Lord to put some stuff back together. If I'm talking to you, come. Yeah, it's going to happen. God bless you for coming. God bless you for coming, family. I want people just to lift their hands and praise God. Just praise Him because His presence is going to change the situation. Come right here. Come, come, come stand with me. I'm just going to bless you. No shame. There's no shame. We're not even going to get into what happened and why. I, I don't even have to know the details. I know that God said to me he's going to restore some families that the enemy tried to destroy. This is a year of restoration and a year 
of the Lord putting some stuff back together. Pray, 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 church, all over the place. Just lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. We're not here to spectate and look about who's coming. Somebody needs God to move on their behalf right now. Can, you, can I find some people to join me in prayer? Thank you, Lord, for putting these families back together. Healing and grace. If you don't know what to pray, pray for healing and grace just to blanket this altar and everybody that just moved into it right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Come on, we're going to pray. We're going to pray right here. We're going to pray right here. Just lift your voice a little louder, church. The Lord is wanting to heal. Satan tried to shake some families. Satan tried to shake some families. But God is restoring families this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I pray right now, God, you put these precious lives back together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, you still have a place. You still have a place. Holy Ghost, you still have a place. This place is an old place because this is a place created when you were a child. It feels like you got off track a little bit. The serpent deceived, but it ain't over and it ain't too late. And I bless your life with restoration this morning. <laughs> and the Lord's putting like this dress on you, young lady. is a symbol of new righteousness coming on your life today. And I see God restoring innocence and restoring joy and, yeah, innocence. That's what I keep hearing. The enemy's tried to shame you, but today it's not shame on you. It's shame off of you. Ho, ho, loose this family. Bless everything connected to this family, God. Are you with them? Father, I thank you for this family. 2020 is a year of restoration for this house. And I declare to the enemy that was assigned to destroy it, you did not win. Your plan is broken now. And the grace of God is prevailing in this house. Jesus. God, I thank you for this young man. I don't know his story, but I know you have a place for him. I break all the shame and all of the guilt and everything the enemies tried to bury him in off his life right now. In fact, I hear the Spirit of God saying, Kevin, you tell him he's not a mistake. You tell him my plan over him is still yes and amen. For I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Spirit of the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, thoughts to bring you a hope and a future. I reach down today, says the Spirit of the Lord, and I rescue you from the pit, from the God who is your God, Father watching over you, and I have kept you alive, says the Spirit of grace, because I have a place for you. God, I bless this young man now to know your love and not your judgment, hope for his future. In fact, this whole thing is coming off this house right now. The lid is being tore off right now. I pronounce blessing and grace over this house right now. I rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. Loose. This is the shattering God prophesied at the beginning of service. The yoke is broken now. By the power of God, the yoke is broken now. Loose her up. Oh, God, loose, honey. It's a freedom that's reaching down in your soul and cutting every tie and loosing you from everything in the past. It's broken. It will not prosper or prevail. Somebody lift up praise all over this room right now. Oh, God. Oh, God, we bless you. I know you got to go. If you got to go, we love you. But I need everybody who's going to stay to lift up a praise right now. Lift up a praise right now. The God of restoration is in this room. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Bless this house. Bless this house. Bless this house. Restore it. Align it. Put it all the way back together. Last week, the scars. No more pain. Shabbat, da ba ba 
you got some scars. That's where the healing came. Do it now. Father, I bless your people all over this room to be in a good place spiritually in 2020. I'm asking you, Father, in Jesus' name, keep us from distractions. Keep us from losing our focus. Let us keep our place in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, I love you Wednesday night. Don't miss it. If you'll be reverent, we still got people praying in the altar. God bless you. Walk in the peace of the Lord and the blessing of God this week. Thank you, God, for your presence.